welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast, presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at Exo Mountain Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast. This is episode 200. Crazy. 200 uh, main episodes. We do the Monday Minutes, which is a bunch of. So we're we're over 200 episodes altogether, but still to, to hit this number is uh, it's pretty wild, man. Makes you think. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for supporting. As always, um, we appreciate your feedback, reviews, and iTunes. Uh, we appreciate you guys reaching out to us directly by email to podcast at xmountgear.com. So again, as we just hit this number, just wanted to say thank you to all of you. Uh, legitimately, the reason that we do this and that we keep doing this and have been doing it for years is because we hear from uh, folks like yourself who are listening and that this podcast is helpful. In this episode, we're talking with Coulter. Uh, Coulter Ingram is a guy from Idaho that Steve and I know, just a good, solid, hardworking dude. Um, and he drew a bighorn tag, and we talk about that hunt that he had this fall in Idaho. So sheep is one of those things that most of us want to do. Uh, many of us, vast majority of us, have not done. And it's really cool to to speak with Coulter again as someone who just drew this tag. He didn't go guided. He worked on his own. He scouted. He was in some crazy country, and we pull some lessons from him. We hear the story, which is entertaining, and uh, just hear how it all came together, and it's a heck of a story. So, again, myself, I'm not a sheep hunter, would love to do it one day. This isn't a podcast that uh, I was excited about because I have a sheep hunt next year and planning for anything, and you're probably in the same shoes, but there's so much to pull from this episode. So thanks to Coulter for joining us, and thank you for tuning in. Let's dive right into this discussion. Well, Coulter, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry podcast, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to dive into this one, Steve. It's going to be epic, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I am, man. Uh, Coulter's a good friend, known him for quite a long time, and he's a fellow uh, death hike attendee. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, when he when I found out he drew this tag, I was he, I was pretty jacked for you, man. That's so awesome. <laughs> thanks, bro. It was uh was, uh, I'm still kind of in shock that uh, I even drew the tag myself. So, yeah. <laughs> well, before we dive into the story, Coulter, just kind of give uh, listeners some background context, introduce yourself, whatever you want to share there, whether it's, you know, personal background, hunting background, that type of thing. So, yeah, man, uh, I'm an Idaho native, born and raised here in Idaho. Uh, been hunting, I don't know, I've been getting drug around the mountains from a very young age with my grandpa and dad. And, uh, yeah, man, I guess these last, I don't know. 10 years just taking it pretty serious you know the whole backcountry and all that kind of stuff kind of taken off but uh i don't know i think i just i don't really do it for anything special i do it because i i love to do it and uh i guess uh yeah not not really looking for kudos just uh just love to hunt and uh yeah. been doing it for a long time that's cool man 
I got to ask before we dive into the story because it cracks me up, man. I see uh, even packing out this Ram, you're wearing your Niners hat. They're undefeated <laughs> right now. So where did where did that come from? Uh, well, if you guys could see me, I actually have that hat on right now. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, uh, uh, dude, I've just been a huge Niners fan ever since I was a kid. Like I didn't have a choice. My my uh, my dad and grandpa were Niners fans, so I was just kind of bred into me. But uh, yeah, dude, I've been. It's been a rough few years for me, and then uh, you know I knew what the team could be capable of, and here we are five and zero. And everybody likes to give me a hard time, but I have some uh, firepower to fire back at them now. So yeah. <laughs> it's been good. It's definitely been some highs and lows as a Niners fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Cool. Well, that's enough football, man. Let's get into this. So take us to your application process, how long you've been applying, and kind of lead us up into uh, you getting the results and kind of how that went down. All right. Yeah. So uh, it was 2013. I drew a, I drew a limited entry buck tag in Idaho, and then you know, after that, uh, it was, you know, kind of a sought after tag and it was cool and all, but kind of not what I, I don't know, the hype. I, I didn't really fall into all the hype. So after that, I was like, I'm going to start putting in for sheep. And you know, I mean, and being an Idaho resident, it's, in my opinion, you're crazy if you don't put in for trophy species. But uh, so, yeah, I'd, uh, I kind of researched. I started out um putting in for a couple different units the first like I think I believe two three years I put in for a different unit every year but then I kind of got stuck on this unit uh 37a because uh it was a unit I'd be able to spend time in uh I guess prior to the hunt uh, that was pretty important to me being able to uh spend my weekends scouting and and whatnot whereas a lot of those Frank Church tags I mean guys maybe get a week of scouting and then maybe a week of hunting but i wanted to i wanted to spend every spare minute i had in my unit so i got drawn to this unit just for the aspect it was close uh kind of where i lived and and uh would be able to be in there every weekend and search around and figure the country out so yeah. and it's it's gorgeous i mean it's the lem high range is you've never been in it it's some of the it's rugged it's it's, it's nothing like uh, any other part of Idaho, that's for sure. So, when it came results time, I know you mentioned a lucky computer. Is that is that going back to drawing that uh, deer tag? What what was it like to pull up results, and how did that go down? So, uh, so yeah, we're actually at our office here, uh, sitting, actually eating lunch, and coworker Sage and Howard. He he's he's like, dude, did you? the email i just got the email that the draw results are out and i was like he's like pull up your email and i was like no dude i'm gonna go jump on the computer in the office i feel like it'll be better luck <laughs> so uh, i roll into the what we call our little crew room and jump on the computer and uh you know i'm you know the anticipation of pulling up the draw results it's like it's like christmas morning you know so i'm in there logging on going to the website website hasn't crashed so that was a bonus and so i you know i get logged in and hit uh enter to uh i guess log into my account now that they have the online accounts and you know still kind of new to me like how that whole system works but uh scroll through like my my information get that you know taken care of and so then it goes to the next page where you know your results are and i just instantly i see green and i was like what the heck i was like so, you know, 
kind of stumble around reading and it says selected and I look over and it's, you know, it's my Ram unit. And I was like, dude, this, I literally just kind of sat there for a second. Like this isn't real. And then after <laughs> it kind of sunk in, I literally started kind of like hollering in the, like the whole office <laughs> started like a couple of the coworkers come running back, like thinking something was wrong. And I was like, I just drew a sheep tag. I was like, it's okay. But, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was definitely, uh, um, a moment that I still to this minute, it's hard to believe that I even drew it. So that's awesome. Man. What is, uh, you'd been putting in for what, five, six years at that point. I mean, that's pretty, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I've, that's the other thing. I mean, that took me six years to draw this tag. Uh, I know, I mean, it'll be a lifetime of me trying to draw, you know, other States sheep tags. And I know there's plenty of residents who have been putting in for, you know, 20 plus years for a sheep tag. So to be able to hunt, I guess my dream tag, a Rocky tag in Idaho and probably what I consider my prime age, it was like, it's kind of a dream come true. You know, I was going to be able to put my all into it. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a blessing in that way. Wasn't yeah. going to have to be some, uh, 60 year old man going guided, you know, I was going to be able to do it by myself. So, yeah, that's awesome. It's funny as I want to do moose first, probably if the Idaho of sheep and moose, you know, left in Idaho for me. And, uh, but I've been putting in for sheep just knowing like, Hey, I should probably draw that one at a younger age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, it's, you know, as well as anybody that these mountains aren't getting any, uh, you know, yeah. more mellow. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so, awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. So once you kind of get over the reality of it, and as you said, you're still kind of comprehending that, but I'm just curious, like, as you started to then go into planning mode and looking at, I'm sure, your summer plans and calendar for scouting, and, like, what were those first things practically that you were doing? Was it setting aside time? Was it looking at gear? Like, what type of decisions were you make to actually prepare for this hunt? So actually that day, you know, after all the phone calls calmed down and, you know, my heart rate kind of slows down and reality is kind of setting in like, all right, it's time to, it's time to start planning. Like I've told a lot of dudes, my, my biggest resource for this hunt was, you know, I'm hunting a species I've never hunted, um, an area I've never hunted. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a working dude. I work, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week and I'm going to have a limited amount of time to, uh, to scout. So my biggest resource was calling hunting fool that day and becoming a member, which, you know, I've gone back and forth with memberships with hunting fool for years now, but, um, this gave me a reason to renew my membership this year, but they have a great resource of, uh, uh, where previous members who've had the hunt, you can, they'll give you a list of names and numbers and you can call and, you know, talk about that with them talk about i mean those conversations led to hours and hours of you know intel into really vital information for me and my hunt you know it's not like dudes are uh giving you their exact pinpoint on right where they killed their ram but you know they're giving you places to start and uh you know, kind of things they've ran into. And I actually built a lot of good friendships over the deal with dudes who are, you know, a lot of them were out of staters. So, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. And then, you know, from there it was, 
I was calling Idaho fishing game to, to get like previous years of, uh, you know, harvest reports from, you know, the, the previous rounds had been killed. And so I was, I was in contact with the biologist. She's out of the Idaho falls region. And, uh, you know, she gave me quite a bit of info kind of on like what kind of Ram I was, you know, expecting to, you know, see in my unit, you know, what the potential was and kind of what the average is. And it, I guess it gave you a good idea of what, you know, when you did get out there and finally start did seeing Rams that you kind of had an idea of how to judge them and kind of go from there. But, uh, but yeah, would those you, were the, what's that? I was going to say, would you say that biologist, were you impressed by the information she had? As far as, do you feel like she temp spent time in the unit, or is it all just kind of secondhand um, information that she gathered just from harvest reports and stuff? Yeah, it's a lot of it's harvest reports. I mean, the, she they fly the unit, but I, I asked her specifically if she had spent time in my unit, and I think it was very minimal, if okay. I remember remember correctly. But yeah, she's it, most of it's coming from hunters, you know, and their the, the check ins, the mandatory check in that you do after you harvest and then uh obviously they fly it they have a good idea you know the the class of rams that you you know that are in there from one to four and uh, i can't remember the specific specifics on my my unit right now but uh there's a good ram to you ratio in in that unit so i knew there was potential to see a lot of rams and and whatnot but yeah she was she was good um you know pretty much gave me as much information as she had so Okay. No complaints there. Yeah. Those harvest reports uh, for sheep specifically are pretty detailed, right? I mean, because it, it's not just like a general, you know, this number of rams were taken out of this unit. They get pretty specific on age class and even location, right, within the unit? R- right, yeah. So uh, I didn't really know what to expect when I went into it. But, yeah, when I when I showed up to the office there, and I, I checked mine in the Nidal Falls, and uh, that's where she's based out of. and. Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a detailed sheet. They want to know where where you harvested it, how you harvested it. Um, they and they're asking you way more questions and kind of more, you know, how many sheep did you see, type thing. It was it was detailed, and you know, then they obviously plug your RAM and uh, becomes registered in their system. So yeah, I guess you're legal for life. But uh, it's yeah, it's the aging thing. There, that's a pretty big deal. There's there's a couple of people aging it and uh, you know, I don't think anybody will ever know the true age of a Ram because there was a couple of people there and they all went back and forth on how old they thought they were. So I feel like, uh, I feel like an old sheep, sheep guide's going to almost know more than some of the people trying to check in at idle fishing game. But that's my opinion. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what was the consensus on your Ram age wise? So they came up with, seven and a half um a lot of the people that and myself had it at eight and a half i mean it's it's not that big of an issue you know sure it's just uh i guess everybody wants an old as ram as possible so yeah for sure could you back up to hunt in full a little bit and just for listeners who might not be familiar with it's not really a, a service that we've discussed i don't believe on this podcast at all but um for guys that might be a new concept to them you mentioned you got contact information from uh, hunters who had had that tag previously, but kind of just give an overview, and I'm not asking you to uh, be the expert here, but from a hunter's perspective, what what is Hunt in Full? What do you get out of it for a hunt like this? So, yeah, um, 
Huntpool, I mean, it's actually a monthly um, magazine where, you know, they break down state by state of, you know, drawing odds and, you know, stories of, you know, hunters. And uh, it's really, I mean, it's a premium magazine. It's, it, it comes wrapped. It's, you know, very well put together. It's, you know, it's like something you don't want to just throw on your coffee table and spill, you know, a beer on it. But uh, it's, it's a nice magazine and it's, it's based around just, uh, you know, I kind of feel like the 40 hour week hunter who's, you know, who's going to need some Intel into an area that he's not, you know, he can't take two months and just go spend his time in a unit and, uh, dedicate his life to it. You know, he's still got his obligations at home and whatnot, but yeah, it, it, uh, the Jared Lyle, actually, he, he's the CEO of Hunt Fool. He's from Salmon, Idaho. And he called me directly when he found out I had the tag. And, uh, he, he actually reached out to me before I reached out to them. And, you know, it started a, uh, it kind of started a, a friendship to where, you know, I was calling and checking in and telling what I was seeing and they're just super personable people and they, they got hunt advisors. So, you know, anybody, any unit you draw, you know, out West, you can call them and they're going to have somebody who's, you know, has some, you know, at that office, you probably have some Intel on your area and, you know, some, some points and, you know, uh, I guess just, it's there to help you out. And, uh, then, like I say, they're, they'll give you your a list of members who have had the tag previous and you can call and contact them and, you know, kind of pick their brain with whatever type of information they want to share. So it's, I, I think it's a great resource that is maybe undervalued for, you know, it's not going to help you on your general season hunt or uh, anything like that. It's, it's all about pretty much premium draw tags and, uh, yeah, it's, they're going to help. I, in my opinion, they're going to help you a ton. You made the decision, if I'm correct, pretty early on that you were pretty insistent on going bow only with this hunt. Was that a hard bow only? Was that a, I'd really like to do this with a bow, but I will get out a rifle. How, what, what was your decision there and how did you kind of personally just arrive there? <laughs> yeah. So in the beginning, as soon as I drew it, I was telling everybody, I was like, oh yeah, dude, I'm, trophy species i want to take all the trophy species in idaho with my bow like that's my dream and so i was like star of the rocky so i was like i was dead set on it i was like there's there's no doubt in my mind i'm not grabbing that rifle until last week of the season so you know i'm having those thoughts well it finally comes time you know i was i drew that tag on a i believe it was a thursday and i was in that unit that's Saturday morning, you know, I, I didn't waste any time. It's early May or, you know, mid May and still snow on the ground. I mean, sheep aren't even where they're going to be, but I was there, you know, trying to get a lay of the country. And, uh, you know, the more time I spent in there, I was like, and where they live, you know, it was the summer drawn on and I was, you know, kind of figuring out where they hang out. And I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a stock in with the bow. Like, everything is rock. Everything you step on moves. It's noisy. It was just, so I had my doubts and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It was to the point I was like, it's going to be kind of like a game day decision on where they're at. It's, it, 
it's either going to be a bow or a rifle stock. And, you know, I don't think you're going to really know until it's, it's, it's comes to that day. But, uh, yeah, it, it was deep down. I always wanted to do with the bow and, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I don't know in a way I had my doubts at times, but it all, it all panned out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to how it all came together for sure. Um, just scouting from that mid-May time through the summer. What was your, how much time were you spending? Were you focusing on certain areas early? Did you cover a big part of the unit? Like, how did you just break down that boots on the ground scouting? And kind of what did you learn through that process? So, yeah. So, uh, like I said, I was, you know, I think I was on Google Earth every night after work, you know, just scouring my unit. And, and what didn't feel like a big unit on a map or Google Earth, but when I got there, I was like, all right, I'm not going to be able to cover all this country that I, you know, figured I was going to be able to cover because I can't just hop drainage to drainage like I thought I was going to be able to because it's going to take me a day and a half to go across this drainage type of thing. So, yeah, I uh, I just started with, I hit all the accesses. So I wanted to see, in the beginning, I was going to use my horses. I was like, all right, I want to know where I can get a horse trailer, what these trails are like the roads are like and uh so that's pretty much what i spent the first probably weekend two weekends doing is just hitting every access road in my unit i pretty much started at the south end and worked my way north and hit every which wasn't a ton of roads i mean honestly it's like probably probably maybe eight eight to ten at the most and uh yeah that kind of doing that kind of gave me an idea of what you know my next weekend's of scouting would entail. So found out quick that, you know, the trails are crap up there. I wasn't gonna be able to take horses. There's no water up high. So I knew instantly it was going to turn into backpacking every weekend. And so from there, I, uh, I kind of broke down some glassing points where I'd be able to, you know, get long distance glasses in where I wasn't looking for a ramp specifically. I was just trying to see country sheep, see where, you know, if they are in there, what their kind of their habits are. And honestly, man, it was pretty rough. Like, I think there's a big misconception with people, you know, they, they draw a trophy tag in any state and they're like, they're instantly like, like, Oh, I'm going to shoot 185 inch Ram or 400 inch bull. And, and cause I got this tag and it, I mean, it's far from that. I, there was many weekends where I didn't see a sheep, you know, and it's discouraging. And, I'm like a lot of timber up high. So, and they use the timber. Like in my mind, I was like, oh, these sheep are just going to hang out in these shell shoots all day. And I'm just going to pick over all every 60 rams that are in this unit, supposedly, and, and, uh, just have this tank picked out for opening day. But, uh, it wasn't like that. It was, it was tough, man. It was a grind. I would, you know, it was usually at least 3,000, uh, 4,000 feet of just pretty much straight up vertical to get up to glassing points from the truck and, and, uh, yeah, just camping on nasty rocks with, you know, hauling my dog all over the country. And it was, uh, it was the most memorable. I've, I've never spent that much time scouting. Like, I don't know, I'm sure you guys can relate. You have your deer and elk spots, you know, there's always going to be a buck or a bull and you're going to have a stock of some sort. And, without having to spend a ton of time in it. But so with this tag, like you're doing all your hunting early sheep are already grown out. You know what you're, you know, it's not like they're going to be rubbing velvet. You're like, you're looking for your Ram from the moment you step in the unit. So, 
I was, you know, had a buddy of mine. He said, do all your hunting early. And you, and that's exactly what I was doing. I was literally hunting without a weapon every time I went out. And, uh, yeah, it was frustrating at times. You see sheep, yeah. wouldn't see sheep. You would, uh, you'd figure out that one basin is, you know, you spend half a day trying to hike up to this point and realize you couldn't glass very much country. And, uh, it was just trial and error. And then, then you're trying to find sheep. And in my opinion, there's a lot of dudes who think finding a mule deer is a bedded mule deer is like the hardest thing in the world. Well, I challenge anybody that, (laughs) that finding a bedded ram is probably the hardest thing to glass up. They blend in so well with those rocks that it's like unbelievable. So did you, you know, was, pick up anything that you think helped you over that time or you just kind of begin to get an eye for finding them a little bit? Yeah, it was, it was honestly, I, I, in the beginning I found a couple in the snow is how I found them. Like they stood out so easy. And then I was like, all right, well, they're kind of hanging out here. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of reverted back to some of the conversations that I had with previous hunters in that unit, you know, kind of some of the areas that they, they'd spent time in and, so I went into some of those units or, or those areas early and I wasn't seeing sheep. And I was like, well, what the heck, you know, this is supposedly according to them and fishing game. This is where, you know, there's been success in the past with people harvesting and I'm not seeing sheep. Well, it seemed like it was about, I would say mid July before those things, the snow had finally really melted and they were kind of finally into their summer range. And then I, you know, I've started you know, finding rams and, and, uh, yeah, I guess it was, I don't know. It was, it was different kind of every weekend type of thing. You didn't really know what you were going to run into in each area. Cause yeah. Didn't so, know what the sheep were going to do. Yeah. Once that snow melted, they kind of got in the summer range. Did you experience that they were pretty consistent? Were they still moving around a lot? Was it, you know, a situation where you could find one, come back to him later and he'd still be in the area or were you kind of finding stuff and losing it throughout that later part of the scouting season? So I would say, I mean, the first rams that I remember getting in the glass, I took me and a coworker, uh, Jordan Little, we went into one of the basins that I'd been wanting to spend some time in that I hadn't yet. And uh, we got in there and I remember glassing, you know, it was like first light, just you're just making out of, a movement on a ridge type of thing. And I remember seeing some movement in my, in my fifteens and I was like, dude, I might have some Rams. And, uh, yeah, man, I it got lighter and we're watching these things, you know, it's two decent Rams and they literally covering, they don't slow down. They don't stop. This is one thing I found about, found out about sheep. They like an elk and deer, they'll like maybe hang out in one little spot and graze and bed, maybe like a few hundred yard radius on a, on a ridge or something. But or these rams, man, they were just like, they were covering this whole basin, like eating and they'd, you know, and then they walk halfway across it to like bed and then they'd get up and they'd only bed for 10 minutes. And then it, I don't know, it was, it was pretty wild. So I kind of started kind of figuring out where they were hanging out, kind of what to look for. And uh, later on that morning, we actually glassed up the ram that, you know, I ended up pursuing and, uh, we watched them for a little while, but we were, that was still early to the point we were trying to still see as much country as possible. So I only spent one morning 
at the time, not, not even really taking into consideration, uh, you know, that would be the one that I would, you know, pursue, but it was, there was just too much country left to, uh, to explore. So we kind of took some Intel on them, videoed them, kind of, you know, studied what they would do in the day. And then we bounced over another basin and tried looking for other sheep. And then later on that day, we glassed up some rams from like, uh, probably at least three miles. And so we ended up moving camp seven o'clock that night, hike until one in the morning, just to try and, you know, see if these rams would be out on this face the next morning. And of course they weren't. So they're very unpredictable animals, I should say. What did anything stand out in terms of, um, you feel like you've learned about them, maybe certain little terrain features they prefer, little habitat cues of kind of places to look, um, or kind of patterns that you notice throughout that? Yeah. So, uh, I think my biggest mistake in the beginning was looking high. Like I was always, I was going to the top of every peak, every ridge, just, you know, thinking that's where the sheep are going to be. Well, when we did find my, you know, that my ram was with a group of like six to eight and we found out they were way lower than we were looking. Like they're probably in only the, the top half of the basin, you know, barely and they're hanging out in the timber and there is there's a burn in that area and they love the burn and uh they'd lay down on it literally they'd look just like a burnt log and uh so yeah my that was probably my biggest mistake and something that i learned i I had to force myself to quit glass and high i mean i probably get i probably do that with every species i hunt but um i had to really force myself to to glass the you know the sparse timber and whatnot because that's where they were a lot of the times you know they weren't just hanging out in a open rock shelf or a scree field they were they're milling in between trees and and you know hanging out in the burn the you know the burn was easier to glass than you know the thick timber but i mean they'd head right for the thick timber too just just like an elk or a deer and then you wouldn't see them for hours but uh yeah i'd say that's probably the uh, that and uh they're definitely they can elk and deer are usually up you know right the crack of dawn you know up late and the sheep it was kind of like random they might sleep in on you or it might be midday before they really get up and move around and so it was just a constant education process with them having spent uh so many weekends scouting. I know it's crazy big, tough country. You guys ran into a lot of weather in terms of like rain, lightning. Um, yeah, just with that much time in the field, especially in that type of country. I know you mentioned to me before, you just kind of relied on gear. You knew it would work, but I'm curious, any gear lessons, highlights, failures, any issues, just cause you know, many of us don't get to spend that much time in that type of country. And I'm curious what, uh, from a gear perspective, kind of what you learned or experienced as part of that. Yeah, so uh, I didn't want to overwhelm myself with like a big gear buy, you know, going into this hunt. I was like, I'm just going to stick with what I have, what I know, which, you know, over the years I've collected what I think is a pretty good system. But uh, I don't know. There was nothing. It was, I mean, honestly, it was, it was just having some good rain gear. It was literally, I think I got snow or rain every weekend that I scouted, which it, I mean, to me was kind of crazy lightning, 
I never uh, just had, I think I had maybe like one just sunny blue scouting weekend, but uh, I just kind of stuck with uh, what I had, you know, I wasn't going to be like, oh, I need this ultra lightweight this, ultra lightweight that, you know, I stuck with, you know, the system that I use for deer and elk hunting and mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it was nothing crazy. I didn't want to, I didn't want to put my focus into my gear. I wanted to put my focus into the hunt. So I, I didn't even, you know picked up the bow just like it was i was going into elk season didn't change anything practice with the same thing i've always been doing uh yeah i didn't buy any yeah i didn't buy any special optics i ran the optics i had which was pretty much put 15s on my chest and a spotter in my pack and that was about it I, i guess one big key element of gear that i did buy was I don't know if you guys, you guys have probably seen them, uh, the Helinox, uh, gla- chairs. chairs. Like, yeah, they're like oh. a chair. Well, <laughs> so I went, I didn't want to pay 120 bucks for one. So I get on Amazon and bought a $30 version. And yeah. I, I tell you what, dude, it was, that chair was probably, that was, that was how I was able to, you know, spend hours sitting there glassing one basin. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty key, uh, component. And I remember my buddy, Jordan, he came in with me that one weekend scouting and he didn't have one and he's he, all weekend. He's like, as soon as we get out of here, I'm ordering one of those things. <laughs> it, it, first thing he got when, uh, we got, we got service again. So, uh, yeah, I've always that thought was that was pretty over overkill, but I can imagine for that hunt, that big a country you're sitting for six hours. Much, it's yeah. probably pretty worth it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I got some pictures yeah. where I got this, you know, looks like a freaking lawn chair lounger up on the top of a peak, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was, man, it was crucial, dude. It was, you sit on your little Z seat, you know, for hours and you can never get comfortable. And, um, that chair, you could like literally set your tripod up over your lap and just lounge back and just glass and not move for, you know, hours at a time. It was, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So yeah, you, uh, certainly put in hours and miles and glass time scouting lead us into opening weekend kind of the beginning of the hunt i know you packed in a few days early was that after a specific target ram or kind of how was that plan made for the beginning of the actual hunt i went after the rams that me and my buddy jordan had found like mid-july um the ones i kind of got some video of we knew there was uh you know there was two good rams in that in that group the biggest I'd saw, honestly, I'd saw other Rams way off in the distance, but I was never able to relocate them in my scouting process. Like kind of frustrating. You'd, you'd see a Ram, you know, like I say, two or three miles and then you'd relocate and you'd never see him again. So, you know, who knows what I left on the table, but I knew what I was, I knew with these Rams, what I had at song kind of pattern them. So I went in, it's actually two weeks before the season opened. I went in to scout that unit. It was a full moon, or I'd scout that area, and uh, I didn't see one ram. And I didn't know. I contributed to maybe the full moon, but I was like, they were in here before. Uh, went back, didn't see anything. And I was, I mean, now we're coming into two days before the season, and I was like, you know, this is these are the ones I'm gonna I want to go after. So they weren't in here the last time I was in here, but. I guess we're going to go for it and, you know, kind of had a plan for what we were going to do if, if we didn't see him. And so we, yeah, me and my buddy Jordan, 
buddy, uh, Tanner Orchard, we loaded up our backpacks and headed in, I guess, two days before the, two days before the hunt. And, uh, yeah, kind of had a game plan of where we wanted to camp from our previous trips. We'd found water up high, had a spring slash elk wallow that we could filter out of and, you know, stay pretty high on the ridge. And, uh, so we, we made it into there to, to set up camp. And I guess one more thing before I get too far, I had a good buddy, uh, that I, uh, kind of met through other friends in the guiding, like fishing guide industry. And, uh, he goes by the name, his name's Tom Martini. And, uh, he, he actually lives over in the Pissimeroi Valley. Like a lot of people know him. He's, he's a hunting fishing guide, really knows his stuff. And he had some invaluable, uh, I guess, information on hunting sheep. He'd guided sheep in that unit before, uh, you know, knew what to look for with rams i never kind of knew what to look for in the beginning and you know he he definitely helped me a bunch with kind of feel judging what i was looking at type of thing so that's cool but uh but yeah to get i guess get back to the to the uh to a couple days before the hunt there um like i say we packed in it was two days i believe it was yeah it was wednesday hunt open on friday and uh Got in there like two o'clock in the afternoon, set up camp on the only flat spot on the ridge, barely big enough for, you know, three single man tents and just started glassing and spent a lot of time. I don't know, probably a couple hours, not seeing anything. And then, you know, we all kind of split up on the ridge, glass, different stuff, the three of us. And then, you know, you get, get the, you hear the whistle and your heart, you know, kind of flutters and you know what he's whistling for. And I look down the mountain and down the ridge and my buddy Jordan's, you know, giving me the come here sign with his hand. And so I go running down there and sure as, sure as anything, the, those eight to six Rams that we'd found in mid July are right where they were, or, you know, they're right there where we left them then. And they're all hanging out together still. And so we kind of watch them, I think it was about five o'clock. So we watched them all, uh, all that evening kind of just video picture overload on your phone, something to look out while you're in, you know, laying in your tent at night and, uh, put him to bed, got up the next morning. So this would be, you know, the day before the opener. And we just watch them all day. Like we'd probably stay back 1500 yards roughly, and maybe even a little more. And we're just watching them in the spotters and the glass all day long, kind of pattern them. We kind of, figured out where they watered, kind of figured out their habits of when they do like to bed, how long they bed, you know, they're, they're constantly on the move. Like I say, they, they don't hold still long. They're always, it's like a, it's like a bachelor group of dudes. They're always kind of like messing with each other, button heads, freaking kicking rocks on each other. I mean, they're actually super fun animal just to sit back and watch. It's like, they're like no other species. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, it was, kind of but in that we found one little spot where they would actually one little knife ridge where we couldn't see that they would actually disappear behind and actually bed at night so we kind of figured out where their bedroom was in those you know that day and a half process and which was crucial for uh the opening day stock i should say so what did 
like what's running through your mind as you as you go to bed that night before the opener like where where's your mind at what are you thinking you know honestly dude i was i i was watching video and looking at pictures on my phone that i'd you know had of him i guess in your mind uh, i i told you know a lot of people it's a crazy pressure you put on yourself because obviously you want to harvest a mature big you know ram because it's it's only one you're going to be able to shoot in your life but you also don't want that to i guess be the guidance of your hunt like you don't want to just go after inches in a way um you want to i guess enjoy it so i was i was really having this battle in my mind of is this the ram i want to take is he big enough is he going to score good enough and i kind of had to like take myself back and be like look you're not in it for the score you know take this with your bow this is a you know awesome ram anybody would love it and so i was laying in my tent that night having these conflicts in my mind looking at pictures of him video trying to break him down and uh i don't know i just i I was putting a lot of unneeded pressure on myself but did you did you feel like you had the scoring down i mean did you feel like you had a good ballpark on what he was or were you I remember like on my mountain goat hunt, even going into the hunt, I still didn't know what a really big Billy was, you know? Um, Did you feel like you had that part down or you like, I don't know if this guy is big enough or what was that process? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd spent hours like researching online, you know, judging Rams, watching videos, looking in the process of talking to all the previous hunters that have my tag through hunt full. I'd pretty much, They've only been hunting sheep in that in that unit since 2005, and I literally, I think, had a picture of at least, I'd say, majority of the rams that had been killed in that unit. Maybe I was only missing like maybe five to six pictures of rams. So I pretty much had a whole inventory of the rams, actual pictures of the rams that have been harvested in that unit. So I kind of like had an idea of what to look at, but uh, it was it was tough. Like I had my Ram at a score and, you know, it was, it's crazy how just some mass on a Ram can change his whole score. But, um, I kind of had him close, kind of what I thought, you know, it was kind of the average for what that unit was producing. So just based off of, you know, the, what fishing game, you know, the information they gave me, they take all the, they don't score you around, but they take the base measurements and the length of the antler. So I had, a, I kind of knew where to base, you know, my measurements off of. So I had a pretty close, you know, guess in my mind what he did score. And, uh, you know, it wasn't anything close to that. You want that dream 185 inch ram, like just looks like, you know, the king of the mountain out there. But yeah. this ram, this ram was the biggest one out of you know, all the other eight by far and, uh, you know, had a, had a rough guess on what his score would be and, uh, knew he would, he would be a great round to take with the bow. So, or the rifle for that sake, you know, I opening more, you know, opening morning, I still didn't know exactly what, uh, I was going to take. I, I had a buddy, you know, packing the rifle for me and I packed my bow. So it was, I, just, I still didn't know what I was going to use. So that's cool. 
Take us into opening morning, man. You guys wake up. I'm assuming you're getting behind glass, trying to relocate them. How are things progressing? Yeah, so from camp, we can see, I mean, right from our tents, we can see kind of where their sheep have been hanging out. So we get up way before, you know, light. I hardly slept that night. Um, Wake up, and Buddy Tanner throws a spotter on where we'd last seen them. And he instantly says, they're still there. And I was like, you know, I hadn't pressed trying to get in close because I didn't want to, you know, bump them. So I was like, all right, well, we're going to get close today. Like, I want to see these rams up close, you know, maybe two or 300 yards in the spotter and really break them down. And so packed everything up for the day and we started the the spine we were on kind of connected to the big, you know, full basin that they were, you know, hanging out in. So as we made our way up towards where this, you know, this ridge connected to where they were at, I knew that three dudes tromping across all this rock wasn't going to happen. So we kind of decided who was going to stay back. And, you know, Tanner decided to just kind of stay back and watch from a distance while me and my buddy Jordan decided to cut the distance across this, you know, big, pretty much big mountainside with a bunch of rock shoots in it. So drop Tanner, we keep Tanner back and we mean me and uh, Jordan kind of start making our way up towards them and looking for elk and deer mostly because there'd been a lot of elk and deer mingling with them and we didn't want to blow them out and have them spook the sheep out. So we're kind of going slow at first, looking for elk, deer, making sure nothing's going to, you know, we're going to push anything right into them. So we start, uh, now we're on the face that the sheep are on. And of course, I mean, it's totally different. You can't see anything. And it's kind of just like roller, roller ridges on the, big face of this mountain i guess is a good way to explain it and so we kind of we'd get up on the top of you know each each little peak on the ridges that we were cutting across and try and glass them and we'd never be able to see them but we did know that where we last saw them there was just one big 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 shoot that we would probably be able to see across there wouldn't be anything like blocking our view of them and so we roll clear across to that point, which puts us like, it would have been probably three to 400 yards across from them and we can't see them. So me and my buddy, me and my buddy Jordan are kind of like looking at each other. We got to go across this. I mean, it's just straight rock trying to figure out, you know, do we sit here and wait and see if they come back out? Um, do we push across this thing and, you know, possibility of them hearing us and, you know, blowing out of here. So we kind of sat there and talked for a minute and kind of just came up with the decision that we'll go over there because where we couldn't, we couldn't see them and they were in the spot where we'd watched them bed two days in a row, but we never watched them bed in the morning. We'd only watch them bed. They'd only bed at night. So we're like, and we talked about it in those previous days where they would bed we're like, man, that'd be a sweet spot because you could just crawl right up over the top and probably have a bow shot and, you know, never thinking, that's where they'd actually be opening morning. Well, uh, so we decided like, let's go over there and we'll peek over the top and, and, you know, see what's going on. So we go as quietly as we can across that rock field, which wasn't very quiet and, uh, finally make it across to where it's like some dirt and rock mixed in. You can get pretty quiet. And I don't know, we're probably, probably 200 yards from, you know, 
hiking up this little to this little point to look off to where they're you know hopefully hanging out somewhere and uh so we kind of slow down take our time we get probably 100 yards from peeking over the top and i was like dude let's let's drop our packs here like it's it's kind of like game time at this point i was like i'm gonna take my pack off take my shoes off i had some stocking socks i slid on um through through a uh my net gator on to kind of cover my face and uh grabbed the bow and knocked an arrow i was like dude i'm gonna i'm gonna sneak up to the edge just to see if they're here and uh jordan stayed back and of course about my third step into the stock i slip on a rock with my socks and just make a ton of noise and i just kind of put my head down and shake my head i was like oh that was smooth but uh (laughs) so i keep i keep uh keep creeping up i'm about like i don't know 15 yards from being able to look over and in my mind i just i don't know why my mind i had just this idea where i knew they were going to be laying and so i get up to the edge of this rock and i uh I peek over and I'm like, I don't see anything. I'm like, well, what the heck? I know they have to be right here. And so in just my peripheral vision, I kind of turn right and I see something and they're way higher than I had anticipated uh, where they might be. And they're bedded and they're staring right at me at like 50 yards. And I was like, and I mean, just, I just peeked over like my eyeballs, you know, they didn't, I didn't think they even saw me. So I put my head down Actually, I ranged him before I put my head down, ranged him at 50, 56 yards. And so then I put my head down. I looked back at my buddy Jordan and I was like, I gave him the 5 0 sign, like, and pointed there right there. And so as I'm doing that, I kind of hear something, poke my head up, and they're all standing, trying to, like, kind of figure out what they just saw. And I was like, well, I just blew that. And, but, uh, I guess kind of curiosity took over for him because they don't see a ton of people. So, the, the second biggest ram kind of started working his way to my right, which was up the, the little ridge to where they could get a better look at me. And so I range him at, you know, 50 yards. And I'm like, all right, I guess if my ram follows him, this might be the time. So, of course, they all kind of start following that second biggest ram. And my ram was, you know, I'd it could get kind of confusing if you hadn't, I guess, spent a lot of time looking at your sheep because when you got up close, they kind of all look similar, but mine had a specific, I knew mine was broomed off on the one side and, uh, I instantly was able to pick him out in kind of a tense moment. And I was like, all right, here he comes. And, uh, like I said, I ranged that lead ram. My ram stepped into his window where I'd ranged and uh, I drew back and just, gave a grunt and you know with anything you're it's like it happens so fast you don't even instincts take over for sure like i don't even remember really thinking but i draw back and give him a grunt to stop him and you know he kind of stops broadside there and i just remember i was super calm like i didn't have any you know i guess you call it ram fever or anything i was just like just remember being super calm and kind of settling my pin and let it fly. And, you know, I just see blood coming out of him. And I was like, kind of in shock that it, anything had even happened. I was like, what the heck just happened? Like this, <laughs> this, 
this morning just turned from zero to a hundred really quick. Like we were just trying to get a closer look at him this morning and now I have an arrow in this thing. And, uh, so they kind of run to our right. They all, they're all following my Ram. He's leading the way. And the last glimpse I got of him, I can just see the top of his back and his butt and he's swaying really hard. And so I I asked my buddy Jordan, I was like, dude, is he swaying? Like, is he going down? And, uh, then they all take off again and I lose sight. And I mean, me and Jordan kind of have a moment where we're just kind of just staring at each other for a second, not really knowing what the heck just happened. And then we hear Tanner scream from across the Canyon. So <laughs> we, we, we knew what had happened. Yeah. And so yeah, man, it went, got on his blood and followed him around. He only, he only literally only made it probably 60 yards and, wow. and, and turfed it man and i gotta walk up to something that a lot of people dream about and was able to do with my bow it was just an unreal moment in life i guess that's amazing man <laughs> that's insane it was, was it uh, just was it so hard that? to like process and grasp it in that moment it was man it was like it was almost i don't even know how to explain it was like i was literally walking around and it like a dream i was like here's this animal you know i kind of revert back to i'm like i mean kind of like the indian days i'm like you know i just killed this with my bow you know there's probably some native americans back in the day hunting these things with the bow here like i might be the first person to ever do it here with the bow and uh those thoughts are kind of going through my mind i was just like couldn't believe that that it, it just came together the first stock the first hour of the opening day like i'd never in a way i didn't want that almost i was like i wanted to spend a week out here you know grinding you know daylight to dark just you know putting work in now that it's finally the season and so yeah to have it all come together like that in the first you know hour of the hunt i was kind of it was just i was in disbelief couldn't really couldn't really fathom what i just done i guess in a way that's amazing well, you maybe didn't do it when season was open, but you certainly put in the work and the time for it beforehand. Yeah, yeah. It was like I say, it was it was two and a half months of every weekend, you know, hunting without a weapon prior to the opener. You know, is yeah. I've never put in that much scout scouting time for for a hunt in my life, so it was uh, it it paid off, I guess, in a way, for sure. It's awesome. <laughs> so awesome, man. <laughs> But, uh, so what? Uh, so when you walk, got up on the ram, was the the size you're expecting? Did you have ground shrinkage bigger? Yeah. So like the first thing that I kind of noticed after I was, you know, obviously you're just you're kind of just staring at their at you know the mass they have when you walk up to them. You're like, holy cow! And uh, I remember putting my hand on his on his out on his horn and thinking, I'd been I'd been envisioning that moment for like months like the first time i get put my hand on you know it's horn and so i i do that and kind of like just soak that in like oh man this is this is unbelievable and then i i kind of start to like look at the whole ram itself and i'm like i had no idea really what i was looking at i I was always kind of basing them they're the size of like a a big mule deer i guess but to me they're like an antelope on steroids almost they're they got pretty small bodies that are just kind of like really stocky and then they have these big heads and big headgear you know so it was like Hmm. it was 
they he wasn't body wise he wasn't near as big as you know i thought i was looking at this whole time it was kind of mm-hmm. it was pretty crazy like they're definitely not a i guess a big a big animal and, and i hadn't pushed in to get close to any of them all summer i was always looking at them from a distance through through optics yeah, right. so that's a good so point yeah i i didn't really uh, they were a lot smaller body wise than uh i thought they were gonna be so the rest of that day how how deep are you guys what's pack out did you stay in a night did you start to get everything out that day what did that look like taking care of that guy so yeah we actually kind of had some weather start rolling in and you know obviously we took a ton of photos like you only get those photos once in your life so we spent extra time getting a lot of pictures uh get pictures with everybody you know just life you know that's what you're gonna have at the end of it is you know you're gonna have your mount but then you're gonna have these pictures and videos and whatnot to to look Mm -hmm. at when you're when you're 60 so we spent spent a lot of extra time with pictures and videos and whatnot and then uh yeah we got them we're starting to uh you know cape them out i full i fully caped him to do a full body mount. I definitely don't have room in my house, but there's one thing I ever want a full body mount. It was going to be my Rocky yeah. out of Idaho. So, uh, we go through that process, you know, and then we get them quartered up and it's kind of starting to rain and then, it, you know, kind of blows over and we just have this, like this perfect day. And I was like, dude, this is just too good. But, uh, we have a long ways. If it wasn't been for Jordan and Tanner, I would have been, uh, a hurting unit, but <laughs> we, uh, we started towards our camp. I believe at noon, got to camp at about two, two or three and pack camp up, got everything on our back, which was way more, you know, we had a ton of food still cause we plan on being in there for at least a week. Right. And so we have a ton of stuff we got to haul out. Plus, you know, sheep now so um yeah we we fumbled and stumbled through a lot of a lot of nasty terrain with you know heavy loads you know that's where the uh the exo came in you know a lifesaver that thing that you want to carry that's for sure so uh we we stumbled all day back back to the uh, trailhead and i think we got back to the trailhead at about 6 30 or 7 that night so it was total of you know roughly seven hours to to get out of there which as far as mileage goes it wasn't you know a a long long ways i would say maybe maybe five miles at the most like the very most Mm -hmm. probably more like four four and a half and uh but it was just a lot of slow slow miles everything's steep everything's rocky um it's we all fell at least least three or four times you know luckily nobody got hurt because we a couple of us took some good tumbles and uh yeah it was it was just all part of the uh the that that pain that feels good you know is it's all part of the process <laughs> all part of the yeah. all part of the journey that you love so yeah nice well so one of these days when i drop my sheep tag man i'll be giving you a call to come tag along yeah well dude that's what i tell everybody i'm like you know, it's like in a way you don't want to tell people to put in for sheep, but I mean, it, a guy's got to, dude. And I yeah. was, I, I went through post sheep hunt withdrawals big time. Like I couldn't get excited <laughs> to hunt elk or deer. I was just like, 
you know, all the places I hunt elk and deer, there's no sheep. So I'm like, dang, I can't even like glass up on this peak and, you know, see a ram running around. So I went through some, uh, I went through some, uh, depression for sure. Like it's over, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, after that, I guess I had a pretty good idea, like of talking through all the hunters of like, I knew everybody had harvested with a rifle. So then I was telling Tanner and Jordan on the, you know, the hike out, I'm like, dude, I don't know. And I won't know until I get this thing checked in, but I'm pretty sure that this might be the first ram ever taken in this unit with a bow. And so, you know, a couple of days goes by for fishing game office to open. So it was like a Friday and it was the long, you know, Labor Day weekend and open until Tuesday. So Tuesday, Tuesday, I show up at the office and, you know, they're checking, checking my ram and, and, uh, I asked the biologist, I'm like, is, can you tell me if this is, you know, if there's been other rams taken with a, a bow in this unit? And she's like, yeah, let me run a check. And, you know, she comes out and she says, this is the first ram ever taken this unit with a bow. So I was like, that's awesome. Holy, to me, it was like, to them, I don't think it was like, he's like, yeah, cool, whatever. But to me, yeah. I was like, holy cow, like, that's <laughs> kind of crazy for me to think about. And then uh, that sinks in. And then I, I call, uh, I called the Pope and Young um, office. I don't know. It was probably like a week later. And, you know, after I'd had my buddy who's an official scorer, uh, he kind of just green scored it or whatever. And so I, I knew what it scored. And so I called the uh, Pope and Young club to see, kind of just wanted to see where he would sat, you know, yeah, statewide. And so I'm talking to this lady and she's like, well, there's, o- there's only ever been 12 recorded to us ever. And I was like, well, that's pretty wow. crazy to me. And then, yeah. uh, and then, you know, it's still got to hit its official drying period, which is coming up here soon. Let's get it, you know, scored again. I don't know what a ram will shrink type of thing, but it should should end up being top three ram in the state archery. So that's okay. kind of cool to cool. me. Not, not, not yeah. that I'm, you know, after records, but it's it is kind of like a cherry on top at the end for me to, yeah. you know kill a top three you know ram in the state with a bow so yeah so awesome dude that's so cool man thanks for sharing the story it's uh i'm sure has uh not only been entertaining to listen to but inspired a lot of guys to get out there and pursue just bigger adventures and you know for the guys who have been putting in to keep putting in that's so cool man like i say just stick with stick with your plan it'll uh never you know never know it'll probably work out if you work hard enough what it comes down to i think the most doesn't you know have to be some crazy badass hunter taking all these trophies it's just gotta go out there and have the passion and do it and get after it well hope you guys enjoyed that one don't forget this month's giveaway is from dark timber coffee and off-grid food company so go over to xomountaingear.com forward slash podcast takes just a couple seconds get entered today If there's anything else we can help you with, if you have suggestions for the show, questions, anything like that, shoot us an email to podcast at xomountaingear.com. We'll catch you next time.